Volunteers bring the wealth of their life experience into the museum, sharing what they know from their studies, hobbies, interests and their own lifelong learning in relation to museum exhibits and objects. Sometimes this includes their expertise from their working life. In this next volunteer talk, we'll hear from Tony, a former medical practitioner and space medicine expert who has advised the British government on space travel. At the time of recording, we're exploring the theme of the five senses in the volunteer program. Tony's talk takes us on a tour of the museum's space exhibits and helps us to imagine what happens to human senses during space exploration. Over to you, Tony. Five, four, three, two, one, lift off, except that we're on the lift down. I'm actually in the Powerhouse Museum with some visitors who I'm taking to the space section in the transport hall. There's this unusual simulator that tries to show you what it's like to be weightless in the International Space Station. Actually, it doesn't make you float about in zero gravity, it can't, but it does introduce you to the idea. And in the process, it is disorientating, making you surprisingly unsteady and, for some, nauseous. Before we go any further, let me remind you that we are guided through our daily lives by five amazingly special senses. These involve the ears, eyes, taste, smell and touch. In us, vision is the most dominant and can involve as much as one-third of our brain. In our ears, the balance mechanism registers constantly, and particularly when we change position, and also when we negotiate escalators or stand on one leg, etc. Taste and smell work in tandem, sensing chemicals through nerve endings open directly to the atmosphere. Touch. Touch can on occasion work on its own. Imagine the sensitivity required to feel the cash in your pocket with one hand and select the right coin out of many while discarding other items getting in the way, all without looking. Now, while we're familiar with the five senses, there is a sixth one. It's called proprioception or kinesthesia. Some claim even more senses, but I'll stick with just six. Proprioceptors are in the muscles, tendons, and nerves underneath the skin. They enable you to sense the relative position of neighboring parts of your body. So when you scratch your ear, your hand knows where to go without you thinking about it. If you clap your hands with your eyes shut or move through a narrow space or catch a ball while running, when you exert pressure on a pencil to draw a firm line or less pressure to apply shading gently, when you hold back on a dog on its lead or when you press a fruit to see if it's ripe, these are all examples of proprioception at work without you having to think about it. Nevertheless, I must emphasize that mostly all our senses work in harmony. Even when touch is not working with vision, it probably is in cahoots with proprioception to sort out the change in your pocket, while proprioception on the end of a dog's lead is hanging onto the vestibular system for balance. They are the ultimate team players, all for one and one for all. Furthermore, our special senses were amongst the very first to be paid up members of the Flat Earth Society. The eyes and ears calibrate themselves with the horizontal 
the constant line of the horizon. To them, the earth has always been flat and it still is. If you hold an infant upright and then tilt it to one side, its head will try reflexly to assume the vertical to maintain its eyes horizontally, even though its infant vision is poor. However, our senses can be tricked by our abandoning the safety of Mother Earth when we take to the skies. Disorientation while flying in cloud can be a killer, though as long as we remain able to maintain some reference to the flat Earth below, with the help of instruments, we manage quite well. When, however, we go into space, it all changes totally. Any familiar connection is lost. Up there, it's all topsy-turvy, except no topsy and too much turvy. Our vestibular apparatus is fooled, so we get motion sick. Vision struggles with extremes of glare. The bright is very bright and the shadows are very dark. Vision can also become blurred as the back of the eyeball flattens and pressure in the eye increases, possibly causing long-term pathology. Our senses are no longer special and confusion can reign. Fluid is distributed equally in the body and space. It can be seen the first few days of arriving when astronauts have a puffy face and fluid blocks the nasal passages. The puffy face feels like a heavy cold, and this can cause taste to be affected in the short term by reducing the ability to smell. Food is bland as taste buds do not seem to be as effective. You can't sprinkle salt and pepper without gravity, so flavor has to be introduced into food mainly via sources and specially prepared condiments. Actually, astronauts describe the smell of space as very slightly sweet metallic, but I wonder if that is the smell of the spacecraft itself. Other changes occur too that confuse our bodily senses, but too many to mention here. So I'd like to finish with sleep, wouldn't we all? You see, our senses aren't dimmed when we're asleep. They're guarding us all the time, but they're not given special attention by the brain during sleep until they're needed, as it has other matters to attend to. So when you turn over while asleep, your vestibular touch and proprioception senses are given the nod by the brain for the purpose. And it doesn't take much for our hearing to alert us when the phone intrudes or for increasing light to wake us. Now, just near our fantastic simulator in the museum is an easy to miss exhibit in which there's a sleeping bag hanging from a hook. It wouldn't hang in weightlessness, of course. It's for sleep in a spacecraft. The problem is that our senses have been conditioned from birth for us to be horizontal when we sleep. A newborn is wrapped cozily in swaddling and placed on its side. A growing child will soon need a pillow. So we all sleep lying horizontally with a pillow and under the weight of bedclothes. But in weightlessness, we float about and our limbs assume random positions that makes it difficult for us to sleep. Over time, the sleeping bag has proved to be the best solution. There's no need for a pillow or bedclothes. It would be pointless. Most astronauts now choose to sleep cocooned lightly in sleeping bags tethered to the floor, the walls, or the ceiling of their own small cabin in the ISS. As there's no such thing as up or down in microgravity, it's just as easy or difficult to sleep any which way. 
Adjusting to sleep in space also takes a long time for some astronauts because our bodies and brains are used to certain circadian rhythms and disturbing these can cause further sleep difficulties. So, in sum, we have to look after our confused special senses in space if they are to continue to look after us as we are accustomed. We're slowly getting better at understanding their limitations in such an alien environment and engineering the necessary solutions too. However complicated it might seem, I can't wait to be up there with them. Now, are there any questions? No? Good. So let's go and look at some of the other exhibits around this space section. Thank you, and wake up, everybody. Well, I'm sure you had the listeners on the edge of their chairs with that. What a fantastic talk. Thank you, Tony. Amazing.